welcome to the Mysterious Pals, a show about pals, mysteries, and history. And today, in our first episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan. Hello. And my name is Chris. And we will be examining a famous pirate, one of the most famous pirates that you never heard of, someone that had such an impact on pirates or the idea of what a pirate is that to this day... Uh, media still kind of focuses on this idea of what a pirate is based on the story of hmm. Captain Henry Avery. Have you ever heard of Pirate Treasure? Of course. Have you ever found the any pirates? Oh yeah, the Goonies. <laughs> yes, the 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 you know the best part of Pirate Treasure. Yeah, I think I think uh, I, the most important know, part. Sure, I, I think the idea is you know when you're a kid, like how cool would it be to stumble across a cove filled with riches in a chest? Yes, I go to the beach often. Often when I was a child, and I walked around to coves looking yeah. for, <laughs> looking for treasure. Like it made me want to have a metal detector. You know, I would love a metal detector. Don't I have one? I have one, but have I one. just feel like such a weirdo walking around in the, the beach. Because <laughs> it's always yeah, it's always like an eighty year old guy. Yeah, like super it, super short shorts, like speedos. I wish I had that type of um, confidence confidence in myself because i just was like people just be like what is this dude yeah, doing? What is this dude doing? he's gonna find anything yeah exactly anything. and that's what that's what it is you're like come on what are you doing man yeah but um it seems like a really fun pastime that i wish i had sure. the confidence to you know mess with i when i took my kids to the, the beach my cousins uh nephews and to the beach one year i thought it'd be really funny to like put change in the, in the yeah, sand yeah. to give my metal texture and be like go find treasure and then I forgot where I threw all the money. <laughs> so they're just walking around the beach looking for stuff. And I was like, oh, next year, Sorry, kids. Next year I got to flag it down <laughs> yeah. where I put it. Because they're like, whoa, they're yeah. running around with this metal detector. So in any case, we are going to be discussing Henry Avery. And as we get through this story and we discuss his, his kind of famous, one of the most famous pirate uh, acts of piracy that it, throughout history, it, it become clear on why the idea of what a pirate is kind of started with Henry Avery and, and the people in this time. Oh, very cool. So Henry Avery, he was a notorious English pirate and he operated in the 17th century. He's referred to as the most successful pirates of the golden age of piracy. So he's one of the first ones that they say, this is the pirate that all the pirates are based on. That's saying a lot. Cause he's, a, you know, there's a lot of very famous pirates like Blackbeard. Yeah. Blackbeard is the one that always yeah. comes to mind, but um, to say this guy's a king of pirates is pretty impressive. Right. So the this um, his legacy is based on he's he only had a short run as pirate which is which is what's great and and about the stories he had he raided a ship called the Ganji Sawai and this raid was so big and so successful for him and the fact that he just disappeared and it it led to this romanticizing culture of who of what piracy is and what pirates do and, oh, and this idea. All right. So from what we know. Henry Avery was born in Plymouth, England, or around Plymouth, England, sometimes between 1653 and 1659. So it seems that uh, historians don't even know when this guy was born. Okay. It is generally in this time because, as we'll find out, we have some way to do some math based on some actual records of, that he eventually pops up into. So when you when you research him, some people say Ev Avery, some okay. people say Every E V E R Y or A V E R Y. Some people say his name was John John Avery or John Every. I think like the fact that this this only lends into the romanization of this guy. It would seem since not much is known about him. Yes, even like his own name. 
he came from nothing yeah and and a... basically got away with everything oh okay that's all right henry was uh he in any case henry avery was the name he used when he joined the royal navy the reason why we know that around the time he was born and he was active and the records they actually have was him um the, there was concrete records of him being involved in the nine years war in europe okay in 1689 okay which was official records of the from the british navy it's okay. the only reason they know they can kind of figure out his age then kind of figure out when he was a born around and what age he would have entered and, and things sure. like that so if you watched or listened to our first episode uh episode zero actually of why and when and how and why the purpose of this this show in general um you'll know that jordan has a background in history so a lot of the historical information that we discuss, I will reference back to him because of his background in education and history. And so at this point, I want to know, Jordan, what do you know was going on in Europe at this time in the end of the 1600s, the 17th century, okay, 18th century? Colonialism is very big during this time. You have all these European powers, such as like France, England, Portugal, and Spain are setting sail, going to these other territories, other countries, and setting up colonies. In these colonies, they are getting all these new resources that are in turn providing them with an extreme amount of wealth. And there's also slave trade is very big right now. So these places are going to Africa, getting slaves, taking them to uh, what is now the United States, South America, the Bahamas, and they're using them for their own means as far as free labor. Free labor, yeah. And in these places, you get places like especially the United now in the United States, you have uh, cotton tobacco, things that you weren't really, they couldn't really get in Europe. And by bringing them back, all these people are making tons of money off of this stuff. Tons. And then you have places like in the Far East, such as India, where spices and tea, they're gathering and bringing back to Europe, which again, they can sell for much more money. And these big companies and like, people are becoming extremely wealthy, all this stuff. Such as like the East India Trading Company. Which we'll talk about later. Okay. A big, big part of the sure. story. And also during this time, you have the Nine Years' War, which is basically all the European powers against France. France tried to... They crossed, they crossed the Rhineland in Germany, modern-day Germany, which is a big part of the Holy Roman Empire, and that in order to like gain a little bit more land, resources. So because of that, basically everyone goes against France and starts a war. It's called the Grand Alliance, right? Yeah, the Grand Alliance, yeah. So nine years this goes on for, so I'm guessing around this time, they're in the thick of it right now. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like, uh, yeah, because uh, they entered the Nine Years' War at in 1689, England okay. did. So, so this is whenever... 1690s? Yeah, this is whenever okay. he was part of it. Okay. Or he got involved in the, in the uh, um, he, he enlisted in the Navy. Sure, so at that, this point, everyone's just basically against France. Okay. Okay. So during this time, the record suggests that uh, he... Uh, co-signed his pay to his family in Devon. So there's records that he had a family in Devon, wife, kids, maybe, or his parents or something. Someone was back in England that he was sending his pay to his na naval pay to. Okay. He was discharged from the Navy in 1691, and he became involved, or he became, ever became involved in the Atlantic slave trade at this time. Okay. Getting privateering, that type of thing, um, which we'll go over in a minute. He was employed by the royal governor of Bermuda, as you were talking about uh, slave trade and what was going on in the other colonies, to transport Africans from West Africa to the Americas during this period. So, 1693, Every joined 
venture to raid French trade in Spanish West, in West Indies set up by a British businessman in the King of France or King of Spain. I'm sorry. So King of Spain, British Brit, uh, businessmen that were trying to get together to um, make money off of raiding and uh, in, in messing with French trade. Okay. Um, so this goes into what privateering is and, and what, what can you tell me about privateering? Basically, I mean, short of it, privateering is a almost legal piracy. So say, for example, in this case, England, they're at war uh, with France. So they get some merchants and they legally are allowed to go and be legal pirates almost. So say they come across a French vessel, they're allowed to, by law of the British Empire, to board that, steal what they can, loot what they can, for the for the British crown. So it's a legal, almost a legal act of piracy. Okay. That's backed by a government. So they, while they, France they, might go after him, England's sure, not going yeah, yeah. to arrest him. Yeah, them. they're not going to be arrested. They're not going to be hung because, you know, at this time, uh, uh, piracy's, you know, I want to say rampant, but if you're a pirate, you're going you're gonna to die. They you're call gonna, it the golden age of piracy. Yeah, you're, so. you're going to be hung. So, like, this is a legalization of piracy, basically. During this time, for that venture, every took... Because, I mean, this time, the Navy, uh, he discharged from the Navy. What are other people... What are those naval men going to do during a time of war and, and things like that? There's, uh, If you're transporting stuff, um, as we talked about being transported around, you know, he's going to be involved in, you know, because people are all fighting against each other pirates are involved like he it's going to be just kind of what's going on in, in the navy at this point or in around the atlantic ocean and, and I around the world pirates are probably taking advantage of this this war as well too right it seems it like it seemed like that'd be an opportune time for the pirates to come in and like oh this ship's wrecked over here. let's go see what we can get, grab from it. it seems like there's a lot of people turning the piracy because um as we'll find out that there's a lot of people that were in the navy and and then all of a sudden they weren't the navy wasn't didn't need people so they were discharged they got a lot of people and they needed they needed to make money somehow so he joined this venture which was again raiding french trade in the spanish west west indies he took the uh, position as the first mate of the charles a uh, ship called the charles the, is that after the king of spain probably i don't imagine yeah um, i think he's yeah he's a king around around this time yeah okay okay again my background's on history <laughs> But the thing was that this venture wasn't very successful, and it led to uh, months of these um, guys, people on these boats, doing nothing because there wasn't a lot of the the, the 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 French ships weren't showing up, or there weren't enough of them to make it actually uh, to make money. It was kind of a failed venture. Sure, be like starting a business and a business not successful. So it was you know kind of the thing where they were all sitting around. And they were like, for months and months and months, they were like, well, when are we getting paid? How how are we going to get paid? Are we even going to get paid? Or, or are we just going to get dumped off somewhere? You know, what happens whenever the king of Spain wants his stuff back, his ships back? So um, in 1694, mutiny on the Charles II, which is another boat involved in this this uh, venture, led by every, or it led every to be elected captain of the ship. So in 1694, there's a mutiny on the Charles II, which is, again, not all the ships. There was a mutiny on all of them. It was just this one ship and a few others. He became the captain. He renamed. They renamed the ship the, ship the Fancy, which was a 46-gun vessel with around, at the time, he had 94 men. Okay. Again, he, uh, the stories were like there was lots. there's lots of ships involved. And, and also, 
other ships in that fleet in this part of the venture didn't like this idea especially ones that were loyal to the spanish crowd they didn't like they didn't like it so they came after him and and eventually what happened was the story was he and his ship just escaped they got away um there was a fight yes it's called the fancy renamed it the fancy very british if i was gonna have a boat it'd be called the fancy as well (laughs) fancy too the men renamed the ship fancy 46 gun uh vessel 94 men they headed for uh cape verde which i believe is on the african coast they were raiding ships for supplies and new crew they uh, the ones of note were two dutch ships that they raided and took uh all of their stuff um all their cargo and some of their men Apparently, the story also goes around that Every was actually a really, uh, I'd say, a nice pirate, but he took your stuff, but he was like, hey, you can either join me or just go, and I won't kill you. That's nice. Whether that's true or not, yeah. Nice pirates are always the best pirates. So what he also did during this time was they took his ship, the, the, the fancy that they stole, technically, uh, and they cut away parts of the structure of the ship to make it faster. They wanted to make it a really fast ship so they can, again, catch... You know, ships that are, that are heavily weighed down with treasure. Yeah, and our, 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 our run ships, too, I'd right. imagine. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, get away. That's a good point. So throughout 1694 and 1695, Everney's crew raided ships and gathered supplies and men. So they were uh, raiding different ships. There actually was a story about how he um, he told and sent information, or he t- sent, you know, um, communications back to England and said, I won't raid British trade ships or ships from Britain. And then, uh, so that he wouldn't be chased by the, by his country. Um, but uh, the other stories are that he definitely just said that, so he they wouldn't go after him. And again, like you think about this, it's not like he's just like sending an email and be like, "I'm not going to mess with you." Yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. is like it probably took months for them to actually get that information. Sure, yeah. And who who knew who talked to him and then survived? Like obviously, he was letting people just hey, we're going to take your stuff, let you go on your way. Yeah. So again, he was making his way to the Indian Ocean during this time. Uh, stopping off along the coast of Madagascar uh, in parts of uh, Africa to resupply and and uh, you know hide out, spend probably the loot that they had, sell it, because during I guess around this area, especially areas like Madagascar, uh, Africa, and just different places uh, where trade was definitely moving to I guess the East Indies, yeah, uh, and to um, Europe, he uh, there was a lot of little towns and kind of places popping up that him and his men could spend their money at, resupply take off again and safe havens were yes okay so at this time at by this point in the story his crew was around 150 men give or take 1695 every set his sights and there were stories of this this uh every year there's this pilgrimage for the grand mughal empire emperor and their the mughal empire and his fleet was making uh their annual pilgrimage to mecca and the fleet the emperor's fleet was laid, was loaded with um, treasure um, and people, and it was a fleet of twenty five ships. Hmm. So, who was a Mughal Empire? Mughal Empire of India, powerful, influential dynasty that that ruled over vast parts of Indian uh, subcontinent subcontinent for many centuries. So, in this time, uh, Europe and uh, this Mughal Empire, or the you know this part of the world. With all the trade going on, uh, the the title or the name of a company called the East India Trading Company comes up a lot. Can you tell me anything about the East India Trading Company? So the East India Trading Company, uh, they started around the 1600s. By this time, they wouldn't have reached their height, but at, at, at their height, they ended up being the biggest, one of the biggest corporations ever. 
They monopolized trade for the most part in the Indian Ocean with India. Um, I think at one point they had their army was bigger than the actual British Empire. They were a British ran company, obviously, but during this time and for the next geez, 200 years, they had a big presence in India. Uh, they would with trade, mainly spices, uh, fibers, and tea. And you know, I don't know. So there was just a company that was like huge in the trade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. they became monopoly almost. They 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 th- ended up ruling basically ruling their whole entire region as far as like trade was concerned. I think it's crazy that you hear stories about these this group based East India Trading Company and that they had their own army and they were involved yes. in wars. Yeah. Which was amazing. And uh Yeah, they were the mo- one of the most successful businesses ever. When people talk about the corporations of today, yeah. you look back at like that that corporate no, that type of corporation that yeah. like had its own army. Yeah, it was right. more powerful than most nations sure. at the time. So there was this huge convoy of ships, this whole fleet of 25 ships making this annual pilgrimage. And they were loaded with uh, the the uh, Aurangzeb emperor, emperor's um, treasure. And it was said that he had he was making 3 million pounds a year a year easily based on his income uh from whatever however emperors make money okay um so you figure he was a pretty wealthy guy especially you imagine that he was involved with these i'm sure he was getting his kingdom was getting money from the east india training company and all this stuff was going sure, on scratch my back i yeah. scratch yours kind of thing so every knew about this these ships there's stories going around these ships um and he knew uh, where they were going to be and when. So he gathered, he was able to get together five other pirate captains, five other pirate ships. Um, and he was elected admiral of this pirate fleet, which is crazy that you think about, you see pirates in today's media and they're like really cutthroat and they're all yeah. like out for themselves and just want to, you know, but be, being that these guys were all probably ex-Navy or some way involved with, with the standard um, kind of idea of what, um, leadership is and at it's time you know a captain on a ship these five pirate ships banded together uh, obviously to make a ton of money yeah um to uh, and they elected a leader and things like that so they met at the edge of the red sea uh specifically it says the gulf of aden um and uh it was just right off the coast of somalia it's modern day somalia and they were gonna they were getting ready to to catch this fleet basically in the middle of the night or moving past. And the, all these 25 ships were not military ships. They were all these pilgrims returning home. Some of them were military because the emperor and his, his uh, money, uh, the, his, you know, his treasure uh, being transported and, and then also military to protect the pilgrims. But it was 25 ships that were all different things. You wonder how like they figure out what ship to attack. Like obviously, maybe the biggest one, but he every set of sight on a ship, you know, called the Ganji Sawai, which was known what was known to be the the loaded with treasure. And some people say that uh, that it was translates to Gunsway. Uh, some people also some research that did said um, that it was translates to the uh, treasure ship or um, loaded with treasure. Mm-hmm. So. I kind of there's a, it's really strange because there was some people say one thing the gunsway some uh, exceeding the... treasure was the other tra- was okay. the other translation um, so it's like why would you name your ship that if it's if it is if it was translates to exceeding treasure why would you name it that it's like obviously <laughs> it's okay like, yeah attack us yeah 
So they set their sight on this ship, Gunji Sawai, uh, and its escort ship, the Fatih Muhammad, was involved in this battle as well. So the Gunji Sawai is a large ship, an 80-gun ship, so double the amount of guns than just uh, the, the Fancy at the time, this 46-gun ship. So they caught up with uh, uh, the pirate fleet, chased the Mughal fleet, they first caught up with the, the first engaged with the Fatih Muhammad, the Dolphin. One of the uh, so the the ships that were with the five pirate ships were the Amity, the Portsmouth Adventure, the Dolphin, the Pearl, and Susanna. Those are the five pirate ships that were involved in this, plus the Fancy. So they all uh, got together. They all were chasing this this fleet, which uh, was obviously running away. The Dolphin was too slow, so they burned it. They they just got the other guys, put them on their ship, and they burned their ship down. Oh, I, right. I don't know why they would do that. Maybe it was attacked. Uh, I'm not sure. In the research, I didn't find out exactly why they burned it. It just said they burned it. Okay. Amity caught the Fatih Muhammad first, but their captain, Thomas II, who comes up in history and piracy, was killed. Well, not as popular and big as other pirates. Thomas II does a name that comes up in piracy. Fancy caught up with Fatih Muhammad and the other ships. Uh, they seized 50,000 pounds of gold and silver just from that one small ship. Jeez. And which would have been enough. Yeah, that alone would have been enough. Plenty for yeah. these guys to take off right. and disappear and, and be wealthy. But they wanted to when the uh, they wanted to get the big gun. So the big one, which was the Ganji Sawai. At this point, the Amity is gone. So there was three remaining pirate ships. They all went after... Uh, the Ganji Sawai, which was captained by uh, Captain Muhammad Abraham. He had 400, not only did he have 80 guns on board, 80 cannons, he had 400 musket-armed guards, as well as 600 other passengers, other pilgrims, not, not necessarily, they weren't military, okay. they were just people. So the battle comes down, some very specific luck on the top part of Captain Avery. There was some really good research done by historians Douglas Burgess, Joel Baer, and Peter Earl, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering their names, and they a lot of the information here about the battle comes from these guys and their research. When you're comparing the two ships, the Fancy had 46 guns with 100, some some estimates 150 men, and so the Gunji Sawai had 80 ships or 80 guns, 400 armed musket men. So it seems like in this kind of battle, there was no chance of Avery that to be successful. Knowing these numbers, what do you think? How could they ever possibly cover? I mean, this? like they're out, they're outgunned. Uh, outnumbered, outgunned. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have no. Most people would say there's no way, especially at this time in you know history. Yeah. There's not the technology that we have now. Sure. I would imagine he. I mean, they would have speed on their side. Right. They like, are a fast ship. Sure. But in this a ship, the Ganji Swai is loaded down with. Some say some estimates were six hundred thousand tons, or six hundred thousand tons was the weight of the ship. Okay. Um, but then there's also people that say that was misunderstood translation that it was six hundred thousand pounds of treasure. Okay. So yeah. I, I I don't know who to, to believe, but in any case, there's a lot of treasure. So what happened was, Ganji Sawai, so the the uh, the Fancy pulls up by themselves. The other two ships haven't engaged. It's just the the Fancy, 150 men. They pull up and they fire shots, and it hits. It takes down the enemy's main mast, the Ganji Sawai's main mast. Oh, geez. So they're dead in the water. They're not able to move. Yeah, yeah. Very lucky mm. shot. Holy cow. Right? So then at that point, we're like, well, we have four, the Ganji Sawai's like, well, we have 400, you have 400 musket men shooting down these 
150 pirates, which I'm sure people are getting knocked, knocked off every you know every couple couple minutes. How are they going to board the, this this treasure ship? And most people just take the 50,000 pounds of treasure they already got and get the hell yeah. out of there. So battles raging. Uh, their their soldiers are firing using muskets muskets to fire the, on the pirates that are trying to get aboard the Ganji Sawai to take it over. At that point in time, there's an explosion uh, below deck. One of their cans explodes. Not only does this kill a lot of the, people. This is on the Ganji Sawai. Ganji Sawai. Okay. Cannon explodes. Kills a lot of people. Also, demoralizes a lot of the crew. Because the people, all of a sudden, chaos, chaos breaks out. Yeah. yeah, Chaos breaks out. Some soldiers are going down below to help. Some are try, still trying to fight off the pirates. Put out fire. Put out fire. There's a huge fire uh, happened. So, at this point, the pirates take advantage of the chaos. Joel Bears, uh, Bear explains how the fancy raided the ship at this point because of the chaos. And um, it seems that like this miracle, this pirate god miracle, again, in, in two specific cases that led to the fancy being able to successfully take over the ship was two, not mistakes, but like a lucky shot, lucky shot and an explosion. Yeah. Two very specific things. It wasn't even like they messed up. They just two very specific things happened that led to them being boarded during this time the captain of the ganji sawai muhammad ibrahim was unable to get control of the troops because of the chaos there's so much chaos going on every ship was uh at this point was still the only ship engaging with the the ship uh, with the ganji sawai so as they started as this all happened all this chaos taking forth finally one of the other pirate ships uh joins the fight so remember um the dolphin. pearl the pearl joined the fight okay and dolphin okay. was the one that was set on fire dolphin was destroyed okay. amity lost his captain and was destroyed uh with in the battle with the fati muhammad this leaves the fancy the portsmouth adventure and the pearl so the okay. pearl engages but the portsmouth adventure which i don't know why they didn't they didn't engage i wonder if they even got the treasure at that point hmm. so they didn't engage they're not really doing anything i don't know if they eventually do or what happens but at that i mean why also they're probably being smart like why would you engage with this insane thing going yeah, on yeah it's like, like as the chaos is still ensuing how are you going to know like oh someone texts you and says hey come over work for you yeah. it's not happening a lot of the research by indian historians goes back to the captain of the ganji Sawai, the his leadership they're critical of his leadership um that led to this defeat because you figure 400 men versus 100 we'll say 150 at the most sure smaller ship less guns yes two big explode or two big things happened that kind of led to this but how can you can you say it was one person that did this i don't know so kafi khan muhammad hassam uh hasim kafi khan again i'm sorry for mispronunciations uh contemporary indian historian who was in surat at the time wrote that every man boarded the ship ganjiswala captain ran below deck where he armed slave girls and sent them to fight the pirates so he kind of ran away Jeez. now this is again some people say this is true and something like this is a historian. Yeah. He he obviously did he was doing this report after these events. So Kafi Khan, uh account of the battle, uh appeared in this multi-work, uh, multi-volume work, The History of India, as told by its own historians, places uh places blame squarely on Captain Abraham and the failure in writing. This is what Muhammad Abraham said in so this book. Is he saying that it wasn't the fact that they got a lucky shot or that cannon blew up, it was the fact like they weren't actually good pirates, but it was the fact that like the captain, it was the captain's fault. Like why? That seems that they're kind of saying, well, like, and this time, this is blame, a, I guess, or? I guess Indian historian at this time, 
writing this report or writing this this kind of history down and it seems he's he's saying that there's no way that these guys could overcome our soldiers things like that it was because an incompetent captain one guy screwed everything up okay not also it seems like it it was a lot of different things maybe it was this one guy this history of india told by its own historians um book the multi-volume work by coffee khan he quotes captain ibrahim saying christians are not bold in the use of sword and there were so many weapons on board the royal vessel that if the captain had made any resistance they must have been defeated. In any case, after several hours of stubborn but leaderless resistance, the ship was surrendered. So it's saying that Kafi Khan says this talking about Muhammad Abraham. Ibrahim. He does have... Uh, the, Captain Ibrahim is, is also quoted in, in his report to, I guess, his uh, his report about the, the fight. So obviously he survived and returned yeah, yeah. to India. Yeah. He said, many enemy were sent to hell, was his exact words that he gave in the reports. Every outnumbered crew may have suffered anywhere from several to over 100 casualties, although these figures are uncertain. So it's not really certain even how many people were lost. Again, I'm not sure if the Portsmouth Adventure ever actually engaged or if they just took off. In any case, the battle, this whole thing, resulted in an extraordinary amount of wealth for the pirates. So this group okay. of pirates. Again, we don't know how many actually survived his crew. It may have been like, you know, 50 men may have run off with all this money, all this treasure. And I, sorry, how much money is, is, was on this? So that, so... Estimates suggest that a loot amassed by Avery and his crew from the Ganges just alone was 600,000 pounds, which in today's money would be... Like tens uh, of millions of dollars. Tens of millions of dollars. It included gold bars, silver bars, precious Jeez. stones, jewels, silks, and other valuable commodities. Now, it's funny whenever people say, uh, you know, when we say treasure, we think of cash, money, gold, yeah, yeah, jewels. But back then, I mean, treasure was sugar, you know, spices, silk. You know, okay, these type yeah. of things were treasure because, you, as you said, during this time, the colonialism and trade, you know, you could sell that stuff pretty— For know, a lot in, of money. —in other countries. Yeah, yeah. So it may—it's not like it's, he just got it like this— this much money in cash. It wasn't just gold. Like there was, there was gold. There was silver. There was jewels, silks, uh, precious gemstones, and other commodities. Okay. Yeah. Usually, you just think of like, oh, gold, gold coins. Yeah. Like, like when you think of like, yeah, a, you just know, like a treasure chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Six hundred thousand pounds, which is tens of millions of dollars of stuff. Jeez. And would you would you rather have, um, you know, you think about today's world Man. where um, the way our our society is with you know, would you rather have, uh, you know, 60 barrels of oil? Or would you rather have gold? You know, like what, what <laughs> yeah, is yeah. the value of those things? And I think, well, I think well, at least with like the, uh, like you said, there might be some silk or like spices and stuff like that. That you can sell easily, I would imagine, back then without yep. people asking questions like, oh, how'd you come across this? Whereas like, right. if there was a. There was no know, paper trails back then. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you had like, a, you know, like a Moogle coin, like, how'd you get this? Right. Like is stamped it? with the move one yeah, 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 yeah. like how'd you and, come and across we'll t- this and we'll, you know we'll go into like okay we found they found coins from this empire uh time and, and like going back the move Empire uh collapsed around the 19th century so they were still around for a while okay so the outcome of this whole thing this raid it's not really known about where they went mm-hmm. um although we, we will see they pop back up here and there some were captured because maybe they were in different parts of the world H- how do you improve that 
that they were part of that crew. How do you prove right. that, right? You know, unless I mean, you get a eyewitness that I saw that guy, but yeah, there's, yeah, there's again, no photographs or anything like that. And also, they take off, and there's uh, they take off and disappear. How long does like the Empire and the Emperor, uh, Britain, like all these different countries, yeah. find out what's going on? Yeah, uh, information is traveling probably pretty very slow. slow. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, take, how long does it take to sail from India sure. to Britain? Because it's not like they're just emailing. So Avery disappears. Eventually, some of his crew is caught. We'll get into that. But this incident, this incident caused outrage and panic among European powers, trading companies, and the Mughal Empire. Mughal Empire. The uh, Empire, uh, the Emperor Aurangzeb, he was obviously extremely upset because you would think that this isn't just his treasure ship. Like this is just this is not just like a trading ship. This is his treasure coming back from this trip. This, this it's a holy, yeah, it's, holy, holy, it's a holy thing. Yeah. Like that's a big so slap in the face. It's not even that it's just regular treasure. Right. Yeah, you're not only taking my money, but you're like attacking my people, like doing a religious thing. That's yeah, a religious act. Attacking like, like God it's kind of like yeah. you don't like do that. Right. This is is this this is is a very a sacred important thing. treasure, sacred yeah. treasure. So he was obviously like, we need, you need to fix this. He went to the European powers and the, and, you know, the East India Trading Company and things like that. And why do you think, like, so the, why do you think the European powers and uh, East India Trading Company, like these people are not, they don't want to anger this emperor or the I empire mean, in general? Yeah, yeah, right. I, I think totally 100% would be economic reasons. Like they have economic yeah. interests there, especially Britain with the East India Trading Company. Uh, like they didn't want, you know, they didn't, all their economic interests there is like as far as like trade and like trading of spices, teas and stuff like that, um, and fabrics. Like if you piss this guy off, this emperor off, you know, they're gonna give you the boot out of your country. And that was such a big thing for England or sorry, uh, Britain to have that area. Like that was their area alone. Like Dutch to Spain, the Portuguese, the French, they weren't trading in that area. Like singularly, it was the British Empire who were trading there. So if you know. If you piss this guy off, he can kick you out and like, you know, give give those rights to your enemies, like the French. So yeah, I, I think like you're losing a lot of money. You're losing like tons it, of money. Even even back all, all this time ago, you know, trade is such a big thing in society it, during this time as well. Yeah. I mean, we do the same thing today in society. We in, in the world we see that in world politics. Yeah. You know, we don't want to. We don't care about angering the Middle East countries, but right. we're not going to anger China or our big trading partners yeah. because. That's how we make money. It's yes. how they make money. Yeah, it's, yeah. How it's, it's important for that try to trade. And also, like back then, like I said earlier, the colonialism, like it's a big competition. Like all these countries are competing with one another, get more re more resources. Still today. Yeah. Like get bigger footholds in some of these other places. So like if they got kicked out, he's in a trade company, they like that's Britain's whole foothold in that area would be totally gone to go to one of their enemies. Yeah. I, I think it's just super interesting how, you know, society is, is our trade has always been a huge thing. Like you'd like to think, oh, like, you know, Great Britain would be like, oh, oh the British Empire, like, sorry, you know, that that shouldn't have happened. Like, like, you know, you're sorry, your people were you know, murdered and possibly yeah. raped and uh, on the way to pilgrimage. But in, I, realistically, they're just like, we don't want to lose this business. <laughs> yeah. We don't want would, France. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. So, again, these crimes were considered unforgivable. Uh, for the Muslim pilgrimage in India um, and the emperor's treasure being stolen, sacred treasure. So the company, East India Trading Company, the other world powers at this time, they cooperated 
uh, with the authorities from the Mogo Empire. Uh, they wanted, they were doing what they could. They were involved and wanted to catch this stolen loot. Again, you know, not to anger the emperor and get kicked out. There's stories about uh, during this time, Mogul Empire, the emperor went and closed, like personally Mughal. went, Mogul Empire, sorry. Uh, Mogul Empire went and personally closed East India factories and arrested Englishmen throughout the com- oh, country geez. because they were so angry. They, it's almost like this kind of idea of like, we're going to arrest these guys to show that we are fighting back. Or like, okay. we're kind of fighting. It, it, to push, I would imagine, push, you know, Britain to do something about it. Right. By doing that. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. going to start, we're going to start hurting your economy. So in response to all this pressure, the British Crown issued a royal proclamation offering a very big award uh, for Avery's capture and also the return of the treasure. It threatened severe punishment for anybody who provided aid or shelter to these pirates or these men. 500-pound bounty was put on his head, uh, and it led to this the idea of what we know as a global manhunt. It led to the, one of the first big international man right. um and his crew they say about 130 men with all the people involved all the, the crew from his ship uh, ships involved because it wasn't just his fancy that took off with sure, yeah. he had the other ships involved and, and again I don't, it doesn't there wasn't real records of what or i didn't find records of what happened to the portsmouth adventure that they yeah, wonder, engaged yeah i wonder how they divvied, divvied that all up so we know now at this point that he has still eluded capture still no one knows where him Specifically, every and his treasure has gone. So he, so he was only a pirate for what, like two, maybe three years? Right. So this happened. Um, he started pirate. Uh, uh, he started being involved in the slave trade and, and privateering. Ninety two, sixteen ninety two, and this happened in sixteen ninety five. So he makes the he comes one out of the biggest stores, yeah, yeah Com- biggest scores ever. But he was doing other stuff before that. He was sure, yeah, he yeah. was pirating. Yeah. Before he went after this big ship. But like that, that's, that's, man. If it wasn't for this, he would have been just another guy yeah. out there. Like, no one would have known his name. There were pirates that were captured from his, uh, from his crew, they say. It's some in England, some other places in the world. I, I wonder if it was just like they captured these guys that were said to be pirates. It's kind of like the witch trials. Like, were they just saying, yeah. this guy was on every team or group? Uh, let's, let's, and then they were just, oh, look, look, uh, Emperor. Arangzeb, we found this guy. We're gonna murder him. Okay. We're gonna put him to death. Yeah. Betray yeah. it, try him, put him to death because he was involved in that. I, I wonder if like were these acts, these kind of like in England, it was said twenty four men were caught, six convicted, and five put to death for the crimes. Mm. Were were they just doing this to put on a show for the? Uh, oh, Muggles? I mean, yeah, um, it's definitely possible for sure. Yeah, like it should, it should thing, like good faith. Like, hey, this you know we're this, taking care of it. Please don't you know. And we said today in modern society, like yeah. this guy, this person got murdered we're gonna get this guy because he was walking on the street sure, at the yeah. same time i mean but it also get like I, i'm trying to think of torching was a thing during this specific time but like these guys could have been like like you said not even part of his crew but they could have been other pirates just grabbed off the street eventually if you're tortured enough they're gonna you're gonna if, say if what anything, you want them to hear yeah, yeah. just to stop right yeah. yeah so at this point we're getting to, we get into like the mystery the kind of idea of where is henry there is no concrete information about his later life after this time he disappears obviously back in this time this creates this huge kind of firestorm of of stories of this mythical pirate lord that disappeared mythical mythical pirate captain this larger than life guy disappears the one that got away and he he's rich somewhere and and there's uh depict him as a cunning and loose figure uh capturing 
and enjoying this, you know, this kind of spoils of piracy. We see at this time also this rise of like people wanting to be pirates. Again, that's why they call him the king of pirates because they see people saying, seeing, hearing all these stories about Avery. This guy made a bunch of money, got away, and it looked so easy. He did it so quickly. Right. Now all of a sudden, everybody wants to be a pirate. Yeah, because I think this is. It's kind of like the the YouTube thing. Everyone wants to make a YouTube video now, (laughs) YouTube channel. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, so so is this sixty nine? This is is this the kick the starting point of the of the golden age of pirates? I would imagine because that's like like he probably I'd imagine it's around what they say is because I mean there was piracy going on yeah 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 time so it's kind of this is when it was probably towards the beginning of it being a big thing because what did it go into the seventeen hundreds at some point like where how much. How, when can you consider that golden age? I'm not really sure. I, I think it's like that. right around the 1700s. So like, he, like I would imagine he inspired a bunch of people to be like, yeah, why am I going to be in the in the navy or like? I imagine the story got around as much as they say it has, um, as as big as it was in the world with all these people looking for him. Uh, I'd imagine it, not only just people in England, but different parts of the Dutch and French, sure, and yeah. all wanted to be going to piracy, uh, which was what led to you know probably led to what we know today as. Uh, you know, the modern culture of of, of pirates and, and movies, portrayals and movies okay. and stories yeah, yeah. and stuff. That makes sense. So common theories, you know, where did he go? We're, we're, the show's all about trying to trying to see what, trying to answer these questions. Not, we're obviously not going to answer them because we're, we're just two guys talking. But Sitting in a basement. Yeah. What is it, you know, we're, we're trying to, in this show, we always want to try to look at the this uh, a question of the mystery and kind of give our own feedback on it. So wait, it's not even. So he just disappears. It isn't known. It's not known if he was ever really caught. Or... There's a lot of theories about it. Okay. People don't even know. It's crazy. Some of these things are just crazy. Like because mo- most pirates in this time, they're caught, captured, and killed. Right. Or or, or just die. Like they, you know, while they're pirates, themselves. but yeah. they don't actually make any money off of it. Yeah, yeah. They okay. just die. Uh, you do this in poor three years. It's that's insane. There, there were stories about how he lost all his money, and we'll go into some of those. Like he lost all his money and died poor. Um, he went back to England and, uh, you know, hid with a different name. And because, I mean, obviously, who's going to know you at that point? Where they, they can't take a picture of you. That's, see, that's that's what always blows my mind about how, like, you're saying, like, how are somebody's pirates caught? Like, there's no, you know, photography, nothing like that. There's, like, a crude drawing that'll put on, like, a, you know, wanted poster kind of thing. But that, that could be anybody, you know. So it always blows my mind that, like, back then, how are these people caught? How are pirates caught in the first place? Yeah, because you just be like, hey, there's every right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he's caught. Yeah. You, and someone just writes it down, and right. that's what it comes right You can't prove that you're not because you don't have, like, you know, ID or there's no, like, fingerprinting or anything like that yeah. then. So it's, it's like, just like it's weird. having your family identify you. And at yeah. that point, you just identify as, like, oh, that yeah, that's him. And yeah. it's, like, the guy from the street. It just seemed easy to disappear, but it, for, apparently for, like, a lot of these, like, pirates back then, they couldn't just disappear. They were caught. Most yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, how could you prove like we talk about that you know feature we get talk about like crusades and crusaders like yeah they go to the same thing like how do they know if you're a crusader or not or if you're a part of that group you know kind of this idea of like the witch hunt the witch trials sure yeah, the yeah. Witch trials are kind of like there is no facebook that says this is who you are there's no dmv <laughs> yeah. kind of like yeah, there's yeah. no national or state level or you know, national kind of identification system right. to say you are who you are. Other than, I mean, I'm sure there were records back then. Yeah. If but we like, don't even know when he's born, how do they know who what he looks like and who he is and where he's at? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is uh, research. We're going to go into the common theories of where, where he went. So there's a uh, research by Ursula Sims Williams uh, on a, a blog 
this uh, author goes into in 2013, talks into uh, his name in the 18th and 19th century. Britain was like kind of the the poster child or the symbol of adventure and life and piracy and life. It's like the adventure of getting it rich and and adventures on the high seas and things like the kind of the thing we know in modern culture and, and media. There's fictional and semi-biographical accounts of his life that were published, Ballad of Long of Long Ben and the King of Pirates by Daniel Defoe, which was once one example. Captain John Avery, written by the pseudo-anonymous Adrian Van Broek and published in 1709, which was another example. Said that Captain Avery received not only the Ganji Sawai treasure, but the Emperor Aurangzeb's granddaughter and happened to be on board, <laughs> and that they married and sailed to Madagascar where they lived and, and established like this pirate mecca, this pirate. He became like the like a utopia. It's yeah, pirate utopia. Okay. Uh, him and the da- the granddaughter. Grand- Dude's granddaughter. Granddaughter. Wow. Now that's, that's bold. There's no record of her being on that ship, though. Okay. So who knows? There's a website called the Way of Pirates. Goes into uh, every disbanded. Uh, said that he dis- after this he disbanded the fleet and made the pirates even the, uh, even on his flagship decided to retire. So they all retired. A lot of them with the fancy and leftovers original crew. Henry sailed to the Caribbean, uh, and there are some things you know kind of research there's a lot of uh, there's some things that say this is this kind this did happen but again new providence in the caribbean he bribed the governor for protection mm. seven thousand pounds uh he wanted to he then tried to bar uh, buy pardon from governor william beeston uh but was not su- uh, successful he again that matt bounty for his head was well known eventually the news i guess got to the other english colonies and around the world and so um, he was, it seems like he was offering more money to be like to bribe people, but okay. I guess because of the heat that's on him, sure, and stuff, yeah, yeah. If they find out that the governor has found out that be harboring this fugitive. Yeah. He's go, dead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the Caribbean, the Bahamas, that's kind of like a, also kind of like Madagascar is kind of like a safe haven for some of these pirates. But yeah, I, I, like you're saying though, that there's that much heat on him and that many people looking for him, that much pressure to find him. Yeah. You can only stay so long. Right. And again, there's no it's, there's no specific record to say this. So every change there's also stories that he after this he changed his name to Benjamin Bridgman and the rest of his crew and they got together and they sailed to Ireland. Whether that's true, I don't, I don't know where you'd even know, figure that out. Um, I guess through research and people kind of put piece together, uh, maybe that could have been him. Hmm. This person, Benjamin Bridgman, he remained a subject of general conversation throughout Europe. Up through the 18th century, there was a lot of, again, a lot of ridiculous stories that he, you know, married the daughter of the emperor and um, founded a new monarchy. And but a lot of the stories, a lot of people, a lot of historians think that he just died, uh, retired, and died in, in London. Yeah. He kind of hid out the streets of London, lost all his money somehow. And there's stories about bad investments, and he just kind of, um, kind of just faded away. Jeez. Um, again, if he's in London. How would it not be found out? So, like we were saying earlier, how, how does anyone even know who he is? Right. I guess yeah, true. Like, if you just if you're not if you're not in your hometown, yeah, and you're just hanging out in London, yeah, how do they, a different name and right. yeah. cut your hair. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's this website called the Cornish Burn blog, Bird Blog. Uh, says that he, on his way home to Devon, he was going to go there for safety because 
he thought he'd be safe there, I guess. Uh, he made a stop in the Lizard Coast. And there's a, there's the Cornish Archive, Crenshaw Kern, uh, Kernow, uh, and Redruth, which I guess is in Cornwall, um, that holds in documents to say that his treasures are on the Lizard Coast. And not only that, they actually go into what's in his treasures and what was in the boxes that he buried. Um, it was this manuscript and this information was translated many times, dictated different languages. It was in, I guess it's partially in French. It's only initials identify it as WK. So that's to be someone that was had direct knowledge with what was going on with every and his team and his, this treasure. There's a part, uh, was there one part, uh, William Kidd? I think, uh, yeah, I think this was, he was, I don't know if he was around the same time, but okay. maybe. I mean, this is, so the- So wait, this, this place has this manuscript? Right, okay. but it's the initials on the translated and dictated manuscript. It's, okay. It must have been right. copied a couple of times. It was in okay. French. Okay. WK was the one who translated from French to English, I guess. Okay. So what it says specifically, uh, on his return from India, this is a direct quote from the manuscript, Avery the pirate, Avery the pirate, either landed or was shipwrecked near the Lizard Coast, where he buried three chests or boxes full of treasure in the sands of the seashore. The do this document uh, claims that the chests were buried beside Trey Pierre's Griche, which I, again, I, I'm not, I didn't take French. And I'm sorry if I butchered that. Three gray rocks is what it translates to. Okay. So however you say that in French, and I'm sorry to anybody who is listening that may speak French, and I'm sorry. I took Spanish in high school. <laughs> took four years of Spanish. I only passed one of them. <laughs> Second language is not my thing. I really wish it was. It goes on to say that it is near where the corner of High Promontory juts out into the sea. He said the spring tides now come over the place. That it, it also has a list of what's in the chest. That It goes on to say that the chests contain... The first chest contains uh, is made of wood. It's two feet long, one foot wide, which is not that big. In this chest uh, were precious stones and bracelets, large rubies, sapphires, emeralds, topazes, and diamonds. The second chest, almost the same size as the first, made of wood, had 120 ingots of gold, 40 thick flat pieces of gold, and large or round tobacco box with various characters of some on them, which I'm not sure what that means. 25 bars of gold, some of which were four to five inches long. Third chest had 300 pieces of eight, besides bullion, not weighed, but crammed in the pieces of uh, brochades, which I'm, piece of brush, I'm not sure about that. I guess it's, so I think bullion, or I'm sorry, 300 pieces, which I think is some kind of way of, kind of nomenclature for money. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So those are the three chests, but they don't, there's no way to know if, if this is actually true, if it's actually buried in Cornwall, and you'd expect if someone found this, they would instantly go look for this yeah, place right. and still be looking for this place until they found yeah. it because it's such sounds like it's too perfect. Yeah. Especially with all this time has passed. Yeah, I don't know about that one. It says he buried it in the Lizard Coast, then returned to Devon, which if you if you returned, why would you go back and get it if your yeah. ship did wreck? Okay. Uh, there's a British author, well-known British author, and uh, pirate, biography, Char uh, pirate, pirate biographer Charles Johnson. His 1724 book, A General History of Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates. This is, yeah, he is like a bi biographical thing on a lot of these pirates, doesn't he? Is that what this book... Uh... I think so. They say that he 
this this author was a pirate, and so he wrote this book, and because he knew these guys. Okay. But um, no one really knows if that's true. Uh, it says some people say that he's just a Charles Johnson is a pen name for a London's a London pub- publisher, writer, publisher. Like some, he just wrote this to sell it to try to you know go find the pirate treasures. Yeah, Here's yeah. where they're located. Here's the stories of these amazing stories of these guys. He, again, he claims that it's from Pirates Living in Time. So he suggested that attempt to sell, uh, suggested that after attempting to sell diamonds, every died in poverty in Devon after being cheated out of his wealth by Bristol merchants. So it seems that this kind of story is kind of the one that a lot of people go to. It's like, oh, he actually just died poor because he got screwed out of a lot of business dealings with his treasure. People tried to get him to invest in their companies or these mm-hmm. different ventures, and then he, they were all bad and basically were just swindling him out of his cash. What a way to go. After, uh, all, after all that, getting all that money, but, just die. You would think, poor. like, if you did it so well the first time, you'd be like, well, I got to get back. I'm poor. I'm going to get back in the saddle and do it again. <laughs> but maybe there was such heat yeah, on him. He yeah, couldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, he's too hot. It does Again, this is kind of, again, no one really knows if this is true. There's no proof of this. If, although people looking at this, historians that looked at this writings by Charles Johnson say that, like, if it's actually true and he was in this area and he was poor, he would have been found out. He would have been caught. I don't know if that's true, but many people think that like it's unlikely that this happened because he would have been caught because there's money, you know, because other people would have known him. Yeah. Uh, these merchants, once they kind of took all of his money, they would have then went and uh, turned him, him in to get more yeah, money. More money, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's other other theories that he's um, he just kind of changed his name, settled in Devon, kind of lived a normal uh, kind of. A normal for the time life not really being you know spending money crazy like because to draw attention to himself he was smart about it maybe hmm. uh and then he just died peacefully uh and uh, some say there's records that he saying that he died in 1714 again who knows if that was the case then like if he didn't spend all that money where's the rest of this rest of this treasure right again but he did have there's records of him having children and family back uh, in Devon. right 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 there is a source of information called the history. This 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 source of information comes from the history of lot and lives of all the most notorious pirates and their crews, which was published in London uh, in 1732. Although it's considered that this book, this kind of uh, this information, this source was really unreliable because it it was. This is the Charles Johnson one. No, this is okay. by I think Edwin Midwinter okay. in 1732. It was published in 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 London. And a lot of people think that that's just this this publisher again took that Charles Johnson book and republished it with some changes. Okay. In October 1781, John Knill, the collector of customs at St. Ives of Cornwall, held a meeting with uh, with a supposed descendant of Every, who stated that his father had told him that Captain Every, after wandering about in great poverty and distress, had died in Barnstaple, uh, Barnstaple, and was buried as a pauper. That's another common thing that like a lot of the research research shows that, like that's like a like probably one of the most um, likely scenarios where he just yes he disappeared maybe he got screwed out of his money maybe all of his pirate pals screwed him over and took all the money okay. you know and then he woke up one day and he was like oh crap I have no money and, and he just went back to Devon and, and died you know poor hmm. there were a lot of sightings throughout the obviously decades and, and centuries after his death or decades of his life and then going into after his death, supposed death. There's a lot of people coming and saying that we found them. This is him. Um, a place, uh, there's a fictional 
they saw fictional memoir uh, in 1709, which claimed every was the king ruling a pirate utopia in Madagascar. Uh, that's another one we hear a lot, although it seems this is more of just a romantic flavoring to the pirate lore. And I think it's funny that you hear about these like pirate stories and everything, and it's and you look like where they come from, but it's like how many of these people, again, going back to business rules, all mo- the mighty money that rules the world, that everybody wants to make money. Yeah. And were they just like these guys that own ships and like, hey, you know, there's a pirate treasure. I want you to buy my ship and then. Here's, here's this, like, I found this book, you know, like, here's this book about these pirates and all these amazing things. I'm like, oh, I have a treasure map here. I also have a ship for you, and I have a crew for you. You want to pay, you know, like, <laughs> that, those kind of things were probably happening, I would imagine. Yeah. Just like they happen today in many different ways. Sure. So, there's really no, all these stories that we have, the popular accounts, there really are no reliable information about Henry Avery or his activities after June 9, uh, 1696, 1695, that era. So after he took on the Ganji Sawai, there is no record of anything after that. That That's reliable. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No one knows where he went. No one knows where his treasure went. There are one other uh, example of something that I thought was really interesting. There were, uh, in in America at this time, these col- the colonies in America... There were people that were arrested as part of his crew, uh, tried, never, I guess they were never really formally charged or never charged. Um, I think seven was a number that there was a record of seven of his crew being charged in the, in the American colonies. Okay. Uh, there's also been a, uh, there's been information that in the New England era, area of the United States, people finding Coins from the emperor, uh, the Mughal Empire. Mughal. Mughal Empire. Is this Sorry. this is recently this this? Uh... Uh, in recent history, so that people throughout recent history they've been finding these coins that saying like, oh, this is from that treasure. Who knows? Uh, I don't think anybody can directly relate it to that. And then how did it get here? Yeah. That type of thing. It could have been many different ways. Like we we hear always hear about these like, oh, I found this one coin on the beach. How right. did it get here? That type of thing. Um, but there have been many that they've saved been found. In any case, at this point, there's no reliable evidence that Henry Avery and his treasure has actually uh, been found, been spent, what happened to him. There's no way that anybody knows for a fact what happened. With all that being said, this story finally comes to an end of our first mystery in our show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where I'm gonna open this up to you, Jordan. Where do you think the treasure is? What do you think happened to every? What do you think about what happened and where it went? What happened to him, his crew, yeah. whatever? I think the Hollywood, you know, solution to this was that he, you know, formed that utopia, lived out his days, and like a pirate, you know. Haven, uh, I doubt you know. I doubt that something like that happened, especially with the 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 granddaughter of the Mughal emperor. Right. Mm. It'd be really kind of like obviously you know he was a pirate, did some slave trading, and uh, his crew possibly raped you know people on that on, on the Gunji Sawai. So not necessarily sad, but it would be kind of sad to think that he just after doing all this this that biggest feat in pirate history 
Silver biggest, Day. Yeah. Known as a pirate king. The king of so, pirates. Yeah, king of pirates like die in poverty. Which is kind of a bummer. Uh, the Hollywood bummer. I mean, it yeah, would yeah, be yeah. A yeah. pretty the, the the ending of most people's stories is type of side. Right. The, the ending of like real life is you know we all just die yeah yeah some some of us have less like, money than when we did yeah you know? we die like penniless like i don't know that's yeah it's i mean it's definitely possible though like you said he could have made some bad investments or got someone of his money and just died like uh, died a pauper but it'd be cool to think that he just disappeared like lived out his day somewhere not necessarily like you know a lavish lifestyle but like he did have a family back home apparently right though yeah i'm but get a came pick them up there's no you know what there's yeah. no records of his i don't believe i didn't find in my research there was okay. no records of his family i think it's definitely possible like that he even had a family yeah I think it definitely might be possible that he is. <laughs> he he might have just like, in the in, w on his journey to of escaping, arrest, and death. That possibly his ship might went under, and he might have just died at sea. Maybe it didn't survive. Like the damage done to. I mean, I I, I guess um, they refined the fancy. Is with the fancy? They said that everything that he just appeared with his crew. Yeah, was the ship ever found? I would imagine um, though, like, well, would he need to like switch ships? Because like, is the ship gonna be that identifiable? He could just like, I mean, he might he probably has pirate flag up, but he could easily just taken that down and put up like you know English, uh, British you know Empire flag, flag, um, or you know a French flag to like, are people really gonna recognize a ship? But or if that's possible, he could have just ditched it and hopped on another another ship. So I just looked this up and um, the fancy, it's rumored, this is from Wikipedia, I'm going to look at the primary source of information though, King of Pirates, 2008 by E.T. Fox, King of the Pirates, Swashbuckling Life of Henry Avery, says the reference to this is that he gave his ship, the fancy, the governor of Nas Nassau as a bribe. Honestly, yeah. There's a, it's also going to say there's a supporting documentary evidence that fancy ran aground in New Providence and the governor... Trots had guns and everything uh, of value stripped from the ship. So it seems that there are there's evidence that the ship was found or that it it, it was out there that people have it. There's a, it also goes into this article, uh, this information that he returned to Britain aboard a ship called the Seaflower and disappeared. It disappeared into even say even maybe even Ireland. So it seems that. There are records of the ship, or there's at least some type of record that the ship was sold or given and then just destroyed or stripped for value. I feel like it'd be easy as a person to disappear, but with with all that wealth he had with him, like say, I think we were saying this earlier, say he had a, a coin from the Mughal Empire. He tries to get rid of that or use it. There's questions going to arise from that, like, how'd you come across this? Yeah. You know. He needs to, to uh, what do you call it? You need to clean. You got to fence it, launder it. Yeah, launder yeah. them, launder it. Um, so that, that, I mean, that could be troublesome, but if you, do, you know, like you're saying, there might have been just, like, fabrics on there, uh, spices and things like that. That could be, you could easily, you know, ditch and make a profit off of, but 
the money, the coins or like bars and stuff like that might be a little bit harder to to sell off. Yeah, I imagine the bars were stamped or or labeled, uh, especially being a sacred treasure that's so important. It had to have some type of record of it or some type of way of identifying it. That's what I mean. It's also possible too. Like he could have like it's. I mean, probably not likely, but he could just have this wealth with him, not even want to sell any of it. Spend it. Yeah. What's because he's not like he's buying an iPhone every other day. Like he's not. There's nothing (laughs) out there really to buy except food. Like he could just look up on him. Like look what I've done. Yeah. He. But then where is it? Well, that's that's true too. Yeah. Did that? Did did? That's yeah. I mean, he could have just melted it all down. Yeah. He could have bribed someone to melt everything down and blacksmith or something to bribe it to melt it down and relabel it. I mean, that's the other option. Yeah. It's not traceable when it comes to like precious metals. If it's other stuff, he could. Like gemstones, he could just sell off, you know, stuff like that. It's not like they're labeled or any way. Yeah. Or he can have them cut down to different sizes, you know, and then label broken up. I think you know the one of the interesting things about we see in history is um, the longer something goes on. The bigger the story gets, the more the more Hollywood will say gets it. The bigger the the more, more myth, more myth, romanization le- of it, legend, yeah. right? And you know, it's possible that he got pushed overboard. It's possible he um, just changed his name and moved somewhere else. It, yeah. If you're smart, you're going to disappear to some place in like Africa or Madagascar or something like that, and just live out your life peacefully. But it's probably hard living back then. It's not like you're gonna. You know, again, if you're living in Africa or something like that, you're going to be noticed as a wealthy Englishman coming in here and sure. donating some. So it's obviously all this money, right? So maybe that's not the way he went. I think him, they just disappeared. He went somewhere. It's always the the you know, it's always the the most likely scenario is the one that sounds the most likely. Like I've heard um, detectives say that, like. Most likely, one is the one that's the most boring and most, most uh, okay. likely actually happened. Okay. The, the story when it comes to crimes, but yeah, yeah, he probably went back to England in Devon, lived out his life with a bunch of money. Somehow he had to launder it. Maybe he did make bad investments by trying to get other criminals or other people to launder it for him. Yeah, and they just stole it from him. Sure. Like, oh, yeah, we'll take these bars and melt them down for you for half the profit. And he's like, well, what else am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, yes, I have no other options, yeah. Um, we'll take these diamonds and we'll start, we're going to do this investment. So it, it sounds like the most boring is what probably happened. Um, but again, why wouldn't he just go back out there again and do it again? Other than he has a lot of heat on him. Yeah, I mean, and there's, it certainly seems like he got very lucky the first time. Right, and who... You do really want to roll that dice again and be like, right. oh, I got away, it's got, you know, scotch free from this, but... Who's also... Who is also going to be the one that I think anybody would want to turn him in and be like, at this time, it's not like he can call the police like on the phone and say, hey, someone's trying to, you know, some guys find out who he is. They go in and say, give me your treasure. I'm going to turn you in. And rather than die, he's just going to give away. Go take it. Go for it. What's he going to do? He's hiding. It's not like he has protection, I imagine. I mean, unless maybe he is paying someone to help. But I don't don't know. Um, Did Did you say they found coins from the Mughal empire on, on the eastern seaboard there there is there is a story piece? about a treasure hunter or a person that has found is different middle, parts so in cornwall the detector he was using in cornwall parts of uh england uh they found uh they found i know i, I know they did find gold coins in um in new england part of america okay. united states um i think there was also stories about coins being found or something being found in Cornwall or in, in that part of the world. Hmm. Um, 
it seems that like he seems that it seems i mean make it, make it i mean i don't know how likely it would be that would be the coins he you know stole from his listen's treasure but they could possibly mean that he might have shipwrecked yeah and just died out at sea somewhere i think it's he was smart to just disappear. The smartest thing he had done is just stay disappeared, like yeah. he did. But the world was crazy at this time, especially there's no, no one's. It's not like detectives are out there trying to solve a crime. There, yeah. uh, for the most part, when it comes to like this pirate disappeared, and I took all his cash. Like, how do they know? They just hey, we showed up. This boat showed up, and he's got all his cash again. They have to probably launder it because it does have probably has some kind of markings that it yeah, was. Yeah. But there are stories about. And there's also stories. Of, there's also records of people that were saying that were from his crew being tried in the American colonies um, for being part of that crew. So there are maybe they did have some of that money that was lost. It's interesting. I think the you know most likely scenario. He took his treasure. Maybe he went to the Bahamas, tried to hide out some places, got kicked out, got another ship. Maybe eventually just went back to Devon and just died poor or died alone. Maybe, you know, maybe the governor of uh, Bahamas, wherever he was, NASA. said, "Give me all your, give me all your treasure, and I won't have you killed." Um, it really, there's, there's no way to know exactly what happened. It's not like those guys are the, especially governors, those people at that time that have power. They're gonna ever say what they did to him if he right. didn't show up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And pirate code. The other pirates that get caught aren't gonna say. I'd imagine they're not gonna open their mouths. And he's never been found. So it's a mystery. Will we ever find that treasure, think, or any way? You know, we look at tr modern treasure shipwrecks from these wooden ships. Yeah. It's just a pile of, usually it's just a pile of stone from the ballast of the ship. Mm. Uh, so the wood all rots away. And usually, right. it's, you know, anything that's metal is covered um, by barnacles or covered by the sea life. For hundreds of years, yeah. Yeah. And so they do find, you know, when you see like a shipwreck they did find from, the Golden Age Pirates here during this time, during the colonialism and everything going on, it's usually covered with stuff. And they bring up this, you're like, oh, they found a, a cannon. You look at it, you're like, this looks like a bunch of sea crap. Like yeah, it yeah. doesn't, and then they they clean it up and then you're like, oh, there's a cannon under there. So if these coins are under the water, yeah. they're probably gone. Or they wash up on shore. Yeah. Somewhere. Or they're how did they get there? Buried, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. It's just weird that like he disappeared and his treasure disappeared. Like both. Yeah. It's not like they have like it's not like he was, you know, caught and then I'll like, the never tell you where my treasure is. Well, if like, you have his treasure, you're not gonna Sure, yeah. I'm not, you never say anything. So I think in general, hmm. we all wish to find pirate treasure. Yeah. It's like the Goonies. Yeah. Again, going back to the living your life as the Goonies. Um and I think the one thing to remember is Stories, legends throughout history, these kind of romanticized versions of it are really just that romanticized. Most pirates did not make it rich. No. During the people this time. There's probably no. so much we don't even know about people at this time. Sure. Pirates are in this time. Like these if you look at a map, it's really interesting if you look at a map of the different pirates that were, that were engaged or involved in piracy along the American coast during the during this this the golden age of piracy. 
there's like tons of names in the in in the the years they were active and there's it's just this, I've seen it recently uh, you know on Google or something and it was just this like pirate poster treasure map like kind of um, map and it had like these times and all there's just tons of different like well known pirates it wasn't even the guys that were not very good at it or wasn't like didn't market themselves right whatever you say yeah. it's just like there's probably tons of other ones that were just running around trying to make it big and most of them probably died yeah you know their ship got destroyed oh, what about the pirates that like went after a simple dutch merchant ship and got killed you know yeah, you yeah. never you never get hear about those guys yeah. um so there's probably a lot going on but we hear about this one guy because he this one pirate because he made such a splash and yeah. he probably encouraged all those other guys I would to imagine go to piracies. Had to, yeah the yeah. story of like unimaginable wealth yeah getting away we don't even know how much he made off but Estimates could be, you know, 150 guys getting away with 600 pounds, uh, English pounds of 600,000, 600,000, sorry, 600,000. It's a lot. Plus the 50,000 tons or pounds, 50,000 pounds, English pounds from the Fatih Muhammad added that in. So 650,000 possible English pounds of wealth at this time, which is tens of millions of dollars today. Yeah. Well, should we call it there? I think that's it. We're not going to solve this mystery (laughs) sitting in my basement, but... (laughs) Um, I think we'll solve a lot of mysteries, but yes. it's still cool to talk about them. That is uh, another or the first episode done. If you're interested in anything dealing with Henry Avery, some of the uh, resources that we used were a really awesome book, a recent book, Enemy of All Mankind, True Story of Piracy, Power, and History's First Global Manhunt by Stephen Johnson. Awesome book. Uh, there's a lot of amazing articles uh, Christopher Min- uh, Minster on thoughtco.com uh, some information I used from there uh, for our research medium article by Karthik Nambi about uh, the first international manhunts and again countless of the blogs I'll put I'll put all of our information in the the show notes on our website which we're working on mm. um, and uh, as well as other things logos you know first episode we're still kind of getting things together Please go back and listen to, please go listen to, um, if you're wondering why we're doing this, who we are, if we're actually worth listening to, do we have any idea what the hell we're doing, uh, please listen to our episode zero episode that we talk about why we're doing the show, who we are, and what the purpose of what we hope to get out of it or hope to do with it. What we hope you get out of it. Well, we hope we just listen to it, which would be very nice. Um, Again, my name is Chris. This is Jordan. You've been listening to Mysterious Pals, and we hope to see you soon the next episode, which we haven't decided on yet. No, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. The next episode is a mystery. <laughs> it's a great closing line. Thank you all, and hope to see you soon. Thank you.